Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club, the place investors go to learn tips, tricks, and stories from other investors in the field. Before I introduce today's guest, I have three short housekeeping items to cover. First, if you like our content, the best way to support us is simply to like, subscribe, comment, or share this episode with your friends and family. Second, we are active investors ourselves and are always on the lookout for mobile home, RV, mixed-use commercial, and multifamily properties in MSAs with a population of 100,000 or more. So if you are also an active investor and have something you think we may be interested in, we would love to take a look. Send us the details of the deal at www.therealestateinvestingclub.com. Third, if you are a new investor and would like to learn how to get started or scale your real estate investing business, go to www.therealestateinvestingclub.com to check out our course. So without further ado, let's dive right in. We have a very special guest with us today, so buckle up, grab your pen and paper, and enjoy the ride. All right. We are live. Today we have with us Sarah Weaver, um, an investor who also teaches other investors how to invest out of state. Sarah, thank you very much for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Gabe. Absolutely. Uh, to get us started, why don't you tell everybody you know, who you are, where you're from, and how you got started in real estate in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Sarah Weaver. I'm originally from Kansas City. And I actually, I guess I got started way back when my childhood was playing on dirt piles at construction sites. My dad has always worked for a home builder and my mom used to work in construction cleaning. So she would take it from all the crazy subcontractors tracking in mud to home ready. Um, and now she cleans personal houses. And so I guess I've always grown up in the real estate world. I hadn't really thought of that in a while. Um, <laughs> then I got into real estate as an agent and quickly realized I wanted to only work with investors. And now I'm an investor myself and I work for a real estate brokerage. Awesome. I love it. So you kind of, you were, you were born into the real estate world. I've always been jealous of those people because you guys got, you got the knowledge like from birth and that's great. Um, but you are not calling from the United States. You're calling from a different country. Where are you calling from? Yeah, it is what time it is Saturday morning, 11 a.m. in New Zealand. I am calling from Wellington, New Zealand this morning. Wellington, New Zealand. I love it. And that is not an accident. You uh, you chose to go there because your main focus um, is kind of creating that freedom in your life via investing and for other investors. Um, so you can be location independent and uh, and kind of go where you want and live the life that you want, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a strong believer that your income can be location independent so that you can live wherever you want. Um, that way you can invest where the numbers make sense. Awesome. I love it. Uh, so, you know, before we get too far into that, I want to go a little bit farther back, um, you know, back to when you first got started in real estate. You know, you said your parents, uh, your parents were real estate people. So you kind of got that kind of education. Um, when did you first buy, you know, your first investment, your first wholesale, your first flip, whatever it may be? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I should clarify. I mean, my parents, my dad built houses and my mom cleaned houses, but they actually weren't the first to introduce me to the idea of real estate investing or real estate sales. Um, it was something I kind of came to my on my own after traveling for a few years, realizing, okay, it's time to look at not taking a job, but actually focusing on a career. And so I thought being a real estate agent sounded like a really great idea. 
And I learned about three months in that it wasn't going to be a very good fit. Um, if you want to be a really good real estate agent, you really need to live and breathe the city that you're selling in. And I'm a traveler. And so that just wasn't going to work for me. And so I had to find a different way to make money, but stay in this real estate industry because I do love it. I love agents. I love buyers. I love sellers, investors. I find the all really exciting. And there's not very many industries that you can do so many different things um, and all work together and create a lot of win-win scenarios for people, which I think is really cool. And so I worked for a recruiting company where we hired staff for real estate teams, brokerages, and agents. And that's where I became a digital nomad. Um, I could live wherever I want. So I packed up my MacBook and I headed to Europe. Um, that was back in 2015. Wow. Five years ago. Um, <laughs> that's incredible. I hadn't really done the math in a while. And so five years ago, I started working remotely while staying in the real estate industry. And then in 2017 is when I bought my first primary. Um, I did the house hacking strategy to, to turn that into an investment property. Awesome. I love it. So, uh, so you really, you got started as an agent um, and you did the agent thing, but you realized that that was not the fit because I mean, I, I know this, if you want to be a killer agent and, and whoever is listening and they are killer agents, more props to you, but um, you definitely do have to live and breathe your city. You have to be in the city. You got to know exactly where the, where the, the values are, especially if you want to work with investors. Um, so you, you realize that and you kind of, you know, the light bulb went off. You said, this is not the life for me. I want a little bit more freedom. I want to get out. Um, and so you got into recruiting for real estate. And then in 2015, you, uh, or 2017, you bought your own, um, house hack, your own, in your own rental. Um, where did you buy that rental? Yep. That is in Prairie Village, Kansas. So on the Kansas side, outside of Kansas city. Interesting. So you bought it in Kansas, but you were in Europe. Is that correct? So at, at the time I was living in Denver and just couldn't make the numbers work. Um, you live yeah. in an expensive city, Seattle. It's hard. You need a lot of capital. And even if you have a lot of capital, it's hard to make the house hacking work. And for your listeners that don't know house hacking, it is buying a property, whether it be a single family or a multifamily living in a portion of it and renting out a portion of it to hopefully not only cover your PITI, your principal interest taxes and insurance, your entire monthly payment, but hopefully put some money in your pocket. And so for me, I was looking to buy a single family, preferably a three or four bedroom, rent out three or two of the bedrooms to cover my monthly payment and not only live for free, but I wanted to also put money in my pocket. And so making that work in these expensive U.S. cities is hard. Um, our clients are currently feeling that. I, I have a, a client in Seattle who he really wants to do a house hack, but he's starting to scratch his head and say, man, I think I'm just going to have to invest out of state, rent in Seattle because that's where I want to live, um, but buy somewhere out of state. So what I did is instead of renting and living where I wanted in, in Denver, I tearfully packed up a U-Haul and drove across I-70 and moved into the house in Kansas um, and renovated it with my own two hands to, to add some value add and rented out actually only two of the four bedrooms um, and not only covered my monthly payment, but I think at the time maybe put 50 bucks in my pocket. Um, but covered all, yeah, but covered everything, utilities, my rent. 
And then I spent a lot of that year um, in Europe and traveling because um, I was living for free in the U.S. Awesome. I love it. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, you're right. I'm in Seattle and it is just, it's impossible to find uh, a cash flowing rental in this area unless you're, you know, big multifamilies. Um, so you were in Denver, you kind of, you had, you had the same issue. Your Denver is just, oh, well, I don't know if it's equally as bad as Seattle, but it's on par. Um, and so you moved, you moved to Kansas. You didn't even, uh, invest out of state. You, you moved there, got a house, did the house hack and then moved out to, uh, to Europe to, to live your, your nomad life. Yeah, I kept, I, I always wanted a home base. It's really nice for anyone that kind of lives this nomadic lifestyle. And I'm sure with COVID, a lot of people are now able to be remote. And so they may be toying with the idea of this nomadic lifestyle and it's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> but having a home base is really nice if you can afford it. Um, sometimes you do need to pack up everything because you can't afford rent in your hometown and to travel abroad and pay for Airbnbs. Um, but that's why where house hacking becomes like kind of this beautiful solution is you can continue to have a bedroom and a home and then rent the rest of the house out and live for free. Absolutely. So since that first one, have you, uh, um, have you done more house hacks or what's kind of been your strategy after that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I was under the impression I needed to live in the house for two years um, until I could do another house hack. So it goes to show that even some of us that are in the industry, we don't get everything right. Um, for those listening, <laughs> too much can to house know. hack every year. Yep. And so I bought my second house hack in 2019. So last November, um, I bought a duplex. So that nice. same concept of house hacking, I live in one unit. And then I rent out the bottom unit so that I can live for free. And in this case, I also got myself a roommate in the top unit um, because I'm just one frugal lady and I want to <laughs> save some money because I have some really big dreams. Um, and for the listeners out there, you don't have to live with your tenants. Um, you don't even have to live next to your tenants. You can do different strategies of house hacking. Um, this is just two ways that I've done and that I find work really well for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so you got your second one in 2019. That's great. Um, so for people listening, kind of tell us, uh, I mean, you, you, you lived in these um, houses for about a year, it sounds like, um, but you were also traveling during the time you went to Europe. Now you're in New Zealand. Um, so for people who are, who are looking to, you know, to house hack to, to get, um, cash flow from, from, you know, smaller, single, smaller residential properties, and then, uh, and then go travel with that money. Um, what is the, the biggest tips that you could give them? Um, how do you find the properties? What are you exactly looking for? So kind of go into the, to the process that you use and you actually identify the properties and, and take them down. Yeah, absolutely. I, I use two different strategies for both of these properties. So let's talk about first the duplex that I that I my second purchase. So I worked with a trusted real estate agent who understands investing. He works with hundreds of investors and he knows how much things cost, he knows how much things rent for. He is my eyes and ears on the ground. And I happen to be in Nashville, Tennessee, actually with a group of about 30 investors. When I got a text from my Kansas City agent, he knew exactly what I was looking for. So that's tip number one is be as specific as you can. If you tell a real estate agent that you'll buy anything, they're not going to text you back. There's no reason for them. They're, you're going to be at the very bottom of their contact list. Whereas for me, I told him I wanted a duplex, triplex, fourplex. I wanted it in these four neighborhoods 
but if, but I trust him more than I trust myself. So if he found something outside of these four neighborhoods, I'd look at it, but I even narrowed it down to neighborhood. I really wanted an up down duplex only because I know that's the most common in Kansas city. And I was looking to hit this cap rate and this cash on cash. Um, I wasn't afraid. I told him I wasn't afraid of huge renovation, like down to the studs, but I would prefer light renovation and was as specific as possible. Got a text message, I think on a Friday night. Yeah, it was a Friday night at about 10 PM. And he said, Hey, this just went live. You need to buy it. And I said, okay, I trust you. Um, (laughs) Obviously I, I crunched the numbers. I looked over it, but I actually went under contract while I was out of state and then didn't see the property um, until I, I drove to Kansas City for my inspection. And wow. had I not attended the inspection, it probably would have been fine because again, my agent was there at the inspection and he's super knowledgeable. And so that's tip number one is find an agent and know what you're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, I've um, I've worked with agents before myself and I've, you know, plenty of investors that I know also work through or work with agents and the value of having somebody who really understands what you're looking for and who will, um, kind of be a champion for, for your, your end goals is, uh, it can't be overstated. It's, uh, getting the right agent in your corner is super, super important. Um, especially if you're doing something very specific like house hacking. Um, if you're not just looking at cap rate, just looking on cash on cash return, if you want something that, you know, that you, you're going to put your effort into, you're going to be living there. So you really want something specific. Um, you got to find an agent that, that knows the area and knows what you're looking for. Um, so you bought these, these bought these rentals and then you did the, you did the renovations yourself, right? You didn't hire out, um, contractors. For the duplex, I did hire out contractors. It needed light renovations. And so I hired out contractors that my agent or property manager found for me. Also, okay. we have to remember my dad builds houses. And so <laughs> that he's helps. a huge asset. Uh, did he do anything? No, he, he loves me. And he said, I'm done. I don't want to do manual labor <laughs> unless I'm getting paid the big bucks. And so I said, okay, dad, maybe in five years. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's a, it's a good dad right there. He said, I've done my time. <laughs> you do it now. Yeah. But that's he looks great. over everything and that's super helpful. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so now that you have these, you're, you're managing them from afar. You're, you're, I mean, you're in New Zealand right now. So kind of tell us how is the management process going? How are you, uh, how are you managing these properties? Obviously they're renting, they're, they're bringing you income right now. So, um, how are you doing it internationally? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm crazy and I'm self-managing and <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't recognize, I don't recommend that for everyone. Um, it's not for everybody. Um, but for me, I don't mind getting a Facebook message from one of my tenants saying, Hey, the dryer's broken. What do I do? And then passing along the number of my maintenance guy. Um, for me, it hasn't been that much of a struggle also because I know these properties really well. Um, because I either renovated the single family. I actually renovated the upstairs of that house down to the studs. Oh, wow. And so I'm, and I lived in that. And you did that work yourself. Didn't you said the single family you were doing doing yourself. That's impressive. So you hung the drywall and you did all that, all that. Well, no, I I hired a a subcontractor for those types of things, but I, I learned a lot. I learned how to tile. I learned how to paint. I learned how to frame. I did all the framing, um, alongside my dad. 
Nice. Um, but, but nobody wants to hang drywall. <laughs> For sure not. Actually, my uh, my first flip, I both hung the drywall and I did the tiling. And then, uh, you know, I got like halfway through and I was like, shit, I just got to hire somebody. So I did. And the, the contractor came in and he was like, who did this? This is horrible work. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. But uh <laughs> We That's got, we got to learn. And, and, and honestly, I'm probably going to, at some point, self-managing, I'm going to feel the same way. I'm going to be like, why am I doing this? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. it's funny talking, talking about self-managing because it's not something I would recommend for every investor. Um, it's not probably worth your time and your headache. Um, for me, it's working well right now, but it's not scalable. And yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, mark my words, I won't be doing this two years from now. <laughs> <laughs> we hope so. It does take a, take a lot to self-manage for sure. Um, so you mentioned something just very briefly, you said maintenance guy. One of the things that a lot of people struggle with, um, when they are self-managing is you got to have these people on call. You got to have a Rolodex of people that you can rely on to get the work done, especially if you're uh, out of state. So how did you go about finding, um, a reliable maintenance person, contractor, et cetera, when you uh, live so far away from your house? Yeah, I think other investors are your biggest asset. Uh, I know there are some investors out there with what I consider an old school mindset uh, and I, or a scarcity mindset where they think like, oh, I'm not going to share with you my guy. Um, but I have found that the, especially in Kansas City, the fellow investors are your best resource. And sometimes I'm passing on deals because I can't buy everything. And so I'm able to add value to the other investors if they're giving me their, their electrician or their painter or their lawn guy. Um, I can return the favor either when they need someone or when I pass on deals, I'm like, Hey, did you see this come up on the MLS or Hey, I have this other deal that off market. Are you interested? And I think networking and like your mastermind group is your biggest asset. And so I'm excited to say that with COVID we pivoted from doing in-person meetups to doing a mastermind called the ROI inner circle. And we have about 140 investors, I want to say, all focused on buy and hold investing. Not everyone's doing out of state, but a majority are. And there's a handful that invest in Kansas City um, alongside me. And so we're able to swap information. And I actually had one say, hey, is it normal to not have a washer and dryer? And I said, yeah, you, you only need to provide hookups. You don't need to actually provide their washer and dryer. And he was like, oh, weird. And in my other market, in wherever it was, that's necessary. And so I saved him a thousand bucks by saying, yeah, you don't need to buy a washer and dryer. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I just want to echo what you said earlier. Um, being just sharing your knowledge is uh, it's amazing what comes back to you when you don't um, you don't shut down and you don't try to keep everything to yourself and you just kind of give. Um, uh, when you just give your knowledge and you share with everybody else, everything will come back to you tenfold. So I love that you said that. Um, you also mentioned two things. One, you mentioned uh, that you looked at you found properties off market, which means you're doing some sort of marketing. Um, so how are you getting off market deals? Is it all through networking? Or are you doing digital advertising, um, sending out letters? What is it? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so that's what, what I do. That's my day job. So I work for a real estate brokerage. Funny enough, it's actually based in Seattle. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> nice. um, but it's a referral-based brokerage. And we work with agents. We call them agent partners all across the country. Um, we're in about 27 markets right now. And just like my agent in Kansas City, he's one of our agent partners at Agents Invest. And they are our eyes and ears on the ground. And so they're constantly sending us deals 
we're looking through them and then turning around and sending them to our group of investors. And so just to kind of give you an idea of scale, in the month of July, we have sent 66 deals across the country. And those are not units. If I counted wow. units, we're in the hundreds, maybe even up to a thousand. That's um, awesome. But yeah, 66 deals as of, well, three days ago. So maybe I've hit 70. I, haven't <laughs> I love it. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, well, well, I think it's a huge testament to the on the ground teams. I mean, I obviously, I don't have the bandwidth to find 70 great deals across in five different markets in 10 different, whatever it is, I don't have the bandwidth, but instead we have built relationships over the past two years with these agents who can, there are eyes and ears on the ground. And honestly, they're some of our most valuable players. I love it. Yep. Um, agents, it's amazing, especially in the commercial space. They, uh, they are the, the, the bloodline to get into deals um, that before they even go on the market. In fact, most uh, for people who are interested in commercial, most, uh, most of the time when it gets on the market, it's already not a deal. And so uh, you really do need to network with agents. They're, uh, they are the key. They you know, hold the key to the city or whatever that phrase is. Um, so I love that you said that. Uh, one more thing, you did mention market. Um, so market like location. What is the, the market that you're interested in right now? You mentioned Kansas. You already bought a, 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 a property there. Are you going to continue to invest in Kansas or are you, are there other markets that you think really, uh, you know, have the, have the legs? Yeah, man. I mean, I would love to have, I want that magic eight ball. I wish I could go on air <laughs> and say everyone should invest in this area. Um, and, and that's just not the case. I think everybody's looking for a different strategy. And so for me, I do plan on house hacking again. And because my life is completely remote, I can pick up and move. I'm going to move to a non-income tax state. And I, I see the value in that. And so there's nine of those states across the country. I'm narrowing in on two, um, Tennessee and Texas, and, and likely going to purchase my next house hack in one of those two states. And then because I'm such an advocate of out-of-state investing, when it comes to just picking up investment properties, I'm looking in Indianapolis and Milwaukee, as well as Kansas City. Those are my three markets personally. But then our investors, they're looking, we have quite a few deals closing um, in Tennessee and Clarksville and Chattanooga and in Texas and San Antonio and the Houston area. But then we also have agents who are doing really well in, in New Mexico in Colorado. Um, I think we're in, I'll have to check, but I think we're in 18 states, if that sounds oh, wow. about right. That's great. Yeah. So, so there's, a, there's a lot of really good markets out there. And so I think everyone has a reason that they invest in whatever market they're in. Sometimes it's personal and sometimes it's just comes down to numbers, whether it be population growth, job growth, wage, whatever it is. Um, it's a really personal question. Um, I, I do think there are markets out there that aren't best. But again, even investors are investing in those markets for whatever reasons. Absolutely. So uh, if somebody did want to, um, you know, somebody's listening, they do want to get involved in this network that you're talking about, you know, get, you know, finding um, good investment properties for their next purchase, um, what would be the best way for them to get involved there? Yep. So if you're an investor and you want to be connected with these teams, it is free to you. And so you can join our deal list at addictedtoroi.com addicted to roi.com. There you go. Love it. Um, 
So we are nearing the end of the episode. Unfortunately, we do like to keep this around 20 or 30 minutes. And so um, I always ask people, guests on the show, the same questions. So I'm going to ask you two. We know that uh, real estate, it's a roller coaster. It goes up and down both financially and emotionally. Um, so kind of take us to a good story that you've had um, that in your investing uh, where you just something jumped out of the woodwork and completely caught you off guard and, uh, and kind of tell us what was the story and what was the lesson that you learned from that? Yeah. Um, I think with, with the down to the studs reno, um, I did a lot of trusting in that. And, um, what do we say in real estate trust, but verify. And, and my dad is used to new construction. And so he bought these windows for my entire house that were incorrect and unreturnable. Oh, so, yeah. So that was, that was a cost that I had to eat and, and obviously push back my timeline. Um, but in the scheme of things, it's exactly why you trust and verify even someone who, you know, knows building and knows houses, you still need to verify. And, but trust me, my dad's made it very much up to me. Um, I'm, I'm not mad about it anymore, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So trust, but verify. That is great advice. Um, so if you were to go back to the Sarah who, let's see, that was back in 2005, just got started into real estate. You know, you, you had wide eyes, you weren't quite sure what you, you know, you, you didn't have the confidence that you have right now. Um, go back to that Sarah and tell her one piece of advice going forward in real estate. What would that piece of advice be? buy something faster. <laughs> I love it. Do not waste time. That is uh, that is great advice. Um, well, again, Sarah, thank you very much for jumping on the show. I really appreciated all the knowledge you shared with us. And I'm sure everybody listening and watching did as well. Um, if somebody did want to get in contact with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yep. They can find us at addicted to ROI.com. And then if they want to find me personally, like any good millennial Instagram is the best. And I'm Sarah D. Weaver on Instagram. And I have had people DM me and message me and I love it. I'm more than happy to answer questions. And if there's something that someone heard on this and they're scratching their head, like how on earth can I do that? Um, just send me a message. Perfect. I love it. There you go. Sarah D. Weaver on Instagram or addicted to ry.com is the best way to get in contact with Sarah. I will also put her LinkedIn link in the show notes so you can jump there if you want to reach out to her. Um, so again, Sarah, thank you for jumping on for everybody listening and watching. We appreciate you jump, j- uh, coming along with us for on this, uh, this ride. Um, the best way again to support the show is just to subscribe, like, and share with your friends and family. And, uh, we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Thanks, Gabe. Thank you for joining us on the real estate investing club. If you feel we provided value, we would appreciate it if you hit that thumbs up, share with your friends online, whatever it may be. If you'd like to share or partner with us on an investment deal, we are always looking for quality projects. Go to www.therealestateinvestingclub.com to get in contact with one of our partners. Otherwise, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic day and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. 
If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.